Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for more than 10 years with SNN, I've been doing interviews with microcap management teams at investor conferences globally, as well as online. Our SNN Live CEO video interviews are meant to pique interest, and then one can discover more by going to that company website. But personally, I always have more questions I want to ask. On this show, I'll be chatting with public company executives from microcap companies, and we'll dive deeper into companies that are rarely profiled. Microcap traditionally is overlooked, unloved, and absolutely never featured on legacy financial media outlets unless something material is going on that's a good story. With my experience interviewing management teams, having interviewed most of them before, I've built up a network of companies, so there will be no shortage of content. Furthermore, this is an opportunity for me to showcase some of the qualitative lessons I've learned from guests on the Planet Microcap podcast. You can expect high quality interviews with management teams that may have exposure to broader macro trends that you may never have thought of. One of the many reasons why I love the microcap space. So if you love microcaps and especially love learning about companies before the professionals do, let's start our due diligence. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party product services or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast. My guest on the show today is Andy Astor, president and CEO of Nefros Inc., publicly traded company. The symbol is NEPH on NASDAQ. Nefros Inc. develops and sells water solutions to the medical and commercial markets in the United States. The company operates through three segments, water filtration, pathogen detection, and renal products. The ultra filters are used in dialysis centers for the removal of biological contaminants from water and bicarbonate concentrate, and in hospitals for the prevention of infection from waterborne pathogens such as Legionella and pseudonomas, as well as in military and outdoor recreation, commercial, and other healthcare facilities. The company is a pure play in water filtration and water pathogen detection in healthcare facilities. In their latest earnings call, they mentioned a $250,000 order supplying filters to a large quick service restaurant chain with a couple thousand units, and they recently launched a new water pathogen detection system. With that said, I wanted to chat with Andy about filtration and pathogen detection business, HDF development, a new dialysis machine with an expected FDA clearance approximately mid-2022, the commercial filter business, and the opportunity here. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Andy Astor, President and CEO of Nefros, Inc. Welcome to the Due Diligence Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And joining me today is Andy Astor. He is the president and CEO of Nefros, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is N-E-P-H on NASDAQ. Andy, it's great to see you, man. It's been a while. It has been a while, Bobby. Great to see you, too. Yeah, I, I, we joked uh, the other uh, the other day when we were chatting about this interview. Uh, I, I've known you since you were on the QB. You know, That's so right. a lot That's has changed. A lot has changed. <laughs> I think at, at the time we met, I was a part-time CFO of Nefros on the QB. 
So a lot has changed. (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, as is tradition here on the podcast, and by tradition, I mean, I think your episodes are recording four or five at this point. So big tradition. Um, If you had to describe the company in that one line, what's that best description of Nefros? It's pretty simple. We, um, We provide innovative filtration and pathogen detection systems to the medical and commercial markets. So I can talk about every word of that, but fundamentally we're in the filtration and pathogen detection business for medical and commercial. Perfect. Now let's get into that overview and history of the company. I mean, as as we just joked, uh, I've known you for a long time. Um, Having followed the company as closely as maybe some others out there that uh, are within our network, but uh, can you start us off with that overview and history of the company? How you got it? How it, it's gotten to where it's at today, and how the original problem that Nefros was looking to solve maybe was that how how that has changed over time? Well, it's a long it's a long story that actually uh, in April of twenty two is twenty five years in the telling. Um, But the company really formed, the company as we know it today, really formed in 2015 as a turnaround from a, frankly, a a failed implementation of a company building a new kind of dialysis machine. Um, So that ended, that period ended after about an 18-year history in 2015. I can talk more about that. And there's, there's some great news to talk about on that front. But in 2015, we really pivoted to become a filtration business. And we, um, in 2016, entered a period of four years of consecutive quarter over quarter growth, uh, 15 consecutive quarters, averaging 60%. So that we went from about a million dollars in sales to about $10 million in sales in 2019. Um, so it's it's been a very high growth company. The pandemic, every you know, everybody has their pandemic stories. Um, we declined a little bit in 2020. We've recovered in 21, and we expect in 22 and forward that we're going back to the uh, to the high growth periods of the past. Very good. And you know, you joined in early 2017. Um, Actually, I, I I swear I think we did our first interview like right after you joined. It wasn't it, yeah. there was no you had no grace period. You were thrown right into the fire having to talk to me. Um, <laughs> what what originally attracted you to Nefros, and how has that original thesis for joining changed or evolved? You know, I am my background, which we can talk about if you'd like, is primarily in the software world, but I have been starting and or running very small companies from their either the, either their founding or when they're 10 to 20 people and driving them up to larger scale in technology businesses for a long time. And m- how I met Nef- Nefros was actually an accidental meeting in an airport. But w- the, the, the thing that attracted me to it is it's exactly what I do, which is I love to take tiny technology companies and be a catalyst uh, to help them develop into successful, larger, although not huge, but, you know, larger multi-million dollar companies that, uh, that turn profitable. 
I want to ask you a quick follow-up there. You know, what, do you have an experience from your background that was, is relatively similar to what you're going through right now with Nephros that you were like, wow, I experienced that. And that was a great lesson that I now can apply to my experience here at Nephros. Very much so. I was the co-founder of a company called Enterprise DB in 2004, 2005. It is, it still is a, um, an open source software company. Um, it's quite successful now. And it is a, in a completely different business. But what we were trying to do was take an idea, take a concept, take a, a business hypothesis and create a real company out of it, uh, which we did. Um, and I didn't know anything at the time about open source databases any more than I know about uh, that I knew in 2017 about water filtration and pathogen detection businesses, but but I've been building, I've been living in and helping to build small businesses into real companies for such a long time that I I, I use the lessons from Enterprise DB and from a couple of other places I've been every day at Nephros. So Andy, let, let's dig into the business itself. You know, I have, um, I, I, I've talked to a few colleagues in our space that actually sent in some incredible questions that I think will be very beneficial to our conversation today. So we'll get to those, you know, but for those that aren't familiar with the Nephros story, you know, right now, what, what are the company's full slate of products and services? And then the markets that you're selling those into? You, you alluded to it a little bit already, but get the full picture right now. Sure, sure. It's, it's pretty easy. There's, there's going to be five things that I'm going to talk about. Um, three business segments to the company, filtration, pathogen detection, and specialty renal products. And I'll explain what each one is in a second. But filtration, pathogen detection, and specialty renal. And within filtration, we have three target markets, which are hospitals, dialysis, and commercial. So we have three target markets in the filtration business. We have pathogen detection and we have SRP or specialty renal. And I'll cover each one right now. Um, in hospitals, we're in about a thousand hospitals today. We place water filters in, where, in the places where immunocompromised patients touch their water. So in their rooms, in their sinks, showers, their ice machines, where they come in contact with water. And why that's so important is that whatever happens to the water when it comes out of the ground, when it comes into the point of entry into the hospital, when it goes through all of the miles of plumbing, whatever happens out there doesn't matter. When the water hits the patient's sink or shower or ice machine, we remove all bacteria and viruses from the water. It's really a, a matter of, of health and safety that our filters make sure that Legionella or Pseudomonas or E. coli can't get through to the patients and make them sick and kill them. Now, these, these I mentioned that these are for immune compromised patients. And that's because if most of us touch Legionella or E. coli or whatever, we, we might get a bellyache, but we don't get get really, really sick, but immunocompromised patients do. And so we're in, as I said, about a thousand hospitals protecting those immunocompromised patients. The second area is in the purification of water, but in a dialysis circumstance. So I call it dialysis water purification. 
either in dialysis clinics or in home dialysis and uh, or portable dialysis, the water that is used in the process touches patient blood and it has to be super, super clear. In fact, the technical term is ultra pure. Our filters, which are the same technology that I described in hospitals, remove bacteria and viruses from the water before it touches patient blood with the potential to infect or, or, or hurt, you know, infect the blood uh, on the other side of the membrane. Um, <clears throat> this is a smaller business for us. So it's about a third of the size of the hospital business, um, but, it's, uh, but it's a much more concentrated area. So in the hospital business, we have to sell to each individual site. Whereas in the dialysis business, we sell to a manufacturer for all of their dialysis machines, or we sell to a clinic for all of their dialysis patients. So it's a, it's a, it's a more leveraged business, even though it's smaller, it's very interesting to us and it's a very fast growing business. And the third area is commercial filtration, which is a whole different world from the bacterial, excuse me, the bacteriological filtration that we're doing on the medical side on filtration in commercial, in quick service restaurants and hotels and um, uh, convenience stores, it's really all about the taste and odor of the water. And we have, it's a, um, we have some excellent technology at a great price point. And that's a much bigger market than, the, um, than either of the two medical markets that I talked about. It's about a half a billion dollar market. Um, and it's a, a different competitive environment as well, uh, but we're beginning to make some, some pretty serious inroads. In fact, as I announced in our uh, fourth quarter uh, earnings call, we recently were, were awarded a, a contract for a, a chain of quick service restaurants or QSRs um, that are a couple of thousand locations within the United States. So um, we're, we're beginning to make some pretty interesting headway in the commercial filtration space. So that's one, two, and three, the filtration business. Pathogen detection is really all about finding waterborne pathogens in water, i.e. testing water or water testing. Um, we're using PCR technology for this, which is quickly becoming, a, if not a replacement of the Petri dish standard, then certainly uh, it's equivalent in the marketplace. We all know PCR from COVID-19 testing. Um, and we are, we have arguably the, the widest, the widest selection or the widest offering of PCR-based assays for waterborne pathogens that's available today. And we're targeting some interesting markets there. That's a very young business. It's still a development stage business. It did a couple hundred thousand dollars last year, but we expect it to continue to grow by triple digits this year and going forward. And then lastly is actually the business that the company was founded in 25 years ago, which is a new kind of dialysis machine called HDF. It's used in other countries, not in the United States yet, but we are the only company in the United States with an FDA clearance for our HDF offering. Um, the offering that Nephros 
put um, uh, was awarded clearance for was a product that didn't work very well. And we're in the process, when I say didn't work very well, it worked fine. That's why it was cleared by the HD, by the FDA, but it, um, it wasn't clinically easy and comfortable to use. And so it, it really didn't get any market acceptance. We've got a new version of that machine that is in the process of HD, um, I'm sorry, of FDA clearance. Uh, we're hoping to see that around mid-year 2022. And um, that is also a development stage business that we think has terrific potential. So that was a long-winded answer to what does the business do, but it's the five points that you need to remember. The filtration business is a growth business. The filtration business is well-established, about 1,200 customers total. Um, that number will go up tremendously now that we've won this business that I just described to you. Um, pathogen detection is water testing and HDF or specialty renal products is the new dialysis machine. Fantastic. Thank you for that huge overview. And uh, while you're, you're giving your overview, I hope folks listening in, I, I was taking notes. So uh, this is due diligence uh, podcast. I hope you're doing the same thing. Um, so I have a lot of different rabbit holes to go down, but my first uh, follow-up is on the uh, healthcare filters. How do they compare to the competition and how are they how are you positioned for growth in this area? So the, the, com the competitive filters in the market is a really simple difference. A filter is nothing more than a strainer. It, it has very, very small holes that water goes into and anything that's in the water gets held back by the strainer, by the filter. Our pores or the holes in our strainers, the pore size of our filters is about 40 times smaller than, our, than the, the competition that's on the market. So a typical bacteriological filter is uh, 200 nanometers or 0.2 microns in diameter. And most bacteria gets caught by that, but ours are, five nanometers or 0 0.005 microns. And it's just, it's just a matter of physics that um, all bacteria and, and just about all viruses are prevented from getting through that, uh, that technology. You know, we're a small company, $10 million last year. And um, we are definitely a disruptor. And I love being in the position of disruptors. You're going up against typically a well-developed market and in this case, we're up against one major competitor. It's a $15 billion conglomerate that includes medical filtration in it. And frankly, the same way that the company that I mentioned earlier was going up against Oracle, this, um, this company is going up against uh, a subsidiary of Danaher. And we're, we're challengers, but what moves the needle for us doesn't move the needle for a $15 billion company or a $50 billion company. And so you can you get a chance to actually show why you're better. And we're doing that and we're doing it quite successfully. We add a new customer site every day or at least one new customer site every day on average. Uh, our growth rates, as I said, pre-pandemic were 60% year on year. Um, and so, um, uh, we, we think we're very well positioned. I want to continue. I want to continue down this questioning for the on the on the healthcare filter side of things. 
you mentioned earlier that, you know, the commercial filtration is a much bigger market than uh, hospitals and, and the water dialysis purification. But can, do you have some numbers behind what the size of that market is? And then also, how are the filters being sold? They're using a, a, your own direct sales force through distributors. And also, how are you winning business from, from that one big competitor? A lot of questions. A lot of questions. Okay, yeah. Here we go. You got so, it. You're fine. You can <laughs> So um, in terms of market size, it's about a half a billion dollar market in the hospital infection control and about one tenth that size, about a $50 million market in the dialysis. And you might ask, well, then why are you, why are you going after a, a market that's only a tenth the size? And the, and the reason is, as I said, it's much more highly leveraged. We get to, when we make a sale, instead of it being, let's say, three to fifteen thousand dollars it's typically it's typically at the high end of that to even more um and so it's just a, a highly leveraged uh selling proposition the so uh, overall it's about a half a billion dollars total uh, roughly 450 million dollars on the hospital infection control and roughly 50 million on the dialysis um the way we market is through distributors. Uh, we market through consultants and water treatment professionals, people that are experts in writing and uh, implementing water management plans for hospitals, which are, by the way, required by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid uh, Services, CMS. And so it's something that the CMS guidelines require hospitals to look at, which gives us you know, the, an ability to walk in and, um, and, and explain what it is that we have. And since we have, frankly, superior technology, and because of some of the other facets of our company, which include just an honest partnership with our customers, with our, with our distributors, with our consultants, um, people like to work with us. And I, I don't mean to be arrogant about that, but frankly, we're um, we try to do right by our partners. We try to build for the long term. We're not constantly raising prices. We're not squeezing our distributors for more uh, for more margin. We're out there as a company that's focused on our fundamentals and on establishing long term relationships. And we're making a lot of progress. So another question on the on the healthcare filter side of the business. You know, how often are do the filters need to be replaced in the hospital? Uh, mostly six months. Mm -hmm. There are some smaller filters that are three-month filters. Um, for the most part, it's six months and, as I just said, three months for uh, for some other ones. Got it. Because the, the main reason I ask that is to just establish that there is this recurring aspect to it. It's like, it's a filter, oh, great, but, but they do need to be replaced. Absolutely. And in fact, that's really a key point of this business. And we, we kind of track the business as a subscription business would. We're not a formal subscription business. We don't track, for those who, who are familiar with this, we're not an ARR company, uh, annual recurring revenue. We're, you know, as, as I said, we're more fundamentals driven. But we track um, our sales in recurring revenue customers, and we have a 94, usually 90 to 95% retention rate measured quarterly, um, 
which means that our customers buy again and again and again. And that means that every January 1st, we're not starting from zero. We've already got somewhere between 60 and 80% of our revenue just built in. And so we can go out and focus on growth. What's the barrier to entry? I mean, what, you know, some, this might sound really silly, but I, I, sometimes you hear like our filters are, you know, we have the smallest pores, the most cutting edge technology. You know, I think of like a six, you know, seven minute abs. Like, is there a, is, is, it, is it possible to have a six minute abs version, version of the Nephros filters and, and then go out and directly compete? Like help, help, you, help my small brain here. Well, as, as you might imagine, um, seven minute abs don't really work. <laughs> and, and neither and neither and neither do six and neither do six minute filters. Um, there, it it's really hard to make a filter that has five nanometer pore size and a flow rate that is as good as any other filter on the market, even one that has a pore size that's forty times larger. Imagine if you had tiny little holes in your strainer with your spaghetti, it would take a long time for the water to get through. The flow rate would slow down tremendously. Our, we have a solution to that, which is the way that our, the, which is basically the, the way we lay out the hollow tubes that make up our filtration system, but it's difficult. These are the, the people that are doing this have been doing it in many cases for a quarter of a, of a century. And they know what they're doing, and are you know we produce extraordinarily high quality uh, filters that do what other filters don't. Got it. All right. So now I want to get to the uh, dialysis related filters side of the business. Um, you you gave us a nice little explanation on on that and how it works in the target market there. But can you explain the the type of growth that you're seeing and what's driving some of this growth? We don't break out our three target market revenues. So I'm not going to talk about specifically um, what our numbers are, but actually right now, and it's not always true, but right now dialysis is our fastest growing single market. Well, that won't be true now that I, the, that commercial thing that I was talking about earlier, but dialysis is growing quite quickly and it's growing quite quickly, partially because of normal salespeople going out and getting new customers and so forth. But the home and portable dialysis market is really growing. And we are a strategic partner with at least one of the major leaders in that business. I'm not at liberty right now to talk specifically about names, but those who follow this business will know their name. And um, we're a strategic supplier to them. We have a great partnership with them, and we—that—that's um, a big part of our dialysis growth as well. Got it. All right, we'll we'll leave that we'll leave that right there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sure. So we also talked about the on the on the commercial filter business. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the two hundred fifty thousand uh, uh, order supplying filters to a large quick service restaurant chain uh, with a couple thousand units. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the you already you kind of already explained the side of the business, but what is the opportunity here, and how does this contract kind of help you with maybe some of your other target markets and other quick uh, quick service uh, potential targets? Yeah. I'm looking over here on my desk because I was just writing this down. I was estimating that there are about 
200, 300, somewhere just under a half a million soda machines in the United States, just in the convenience store, hotel, and um, quick service restaurant world. It's roughly a $300 million marketplace to provide the filters that make sure the water is um, tastes good, smells good, or really doesn't have any taste and doesn't have any smell and is safe to drink for these markets. And this, uh, this win that, I, that I've been talking about is really our first major win in this space. We're already in several hundred locations, but to have a single company with a couple of thousand locations is really a step up, is really a, a step change for us. Um, and we, you know, what we expect is that this will be the first of many uh, because it's, it's not like we're, you know, we were only working on this one. We're working on lots of opportunities and we're hoping to, to break through in the rest of this year and next year and so forth. I'm not going to put timing on it, but we, uh, we believe that this is a really strong area of growth for us. Who, who's your main co competition there? Uh, two companies, little companies, uh, 3M and, uh, uh, and, and Pentair. <laughs> had me there. <laughs> I was like, oh, little company, okay. <laughs> it's just, you know, and obviously I'm kidding, but it, it, is, it is exactly the same phenomenon as I was talking about earlier when little companies go up against the big, the big uh, oligar oligopolies, really, where there's two, three, four companies leading the industry you have an opportunity to disrupt the market. Clay Christensen wrote a book about this called The Innovator's Dilemma about 20 years ago. Um, you have an opportunity to disrupt the market because not because they don't want to move fast and, and get you out of the way, but because they're worried about different problems and they really don't have the cycles to be able to address tiny little competitors. And that's what is it, it's a it's a fundamental thesis of the way of the way we go to market and that I've gone to market in other companies before and it works. Very good. All right, going to the next uh, division of the company. Um, okay. As you mentioned, you recently launched the new water pathogen detection system. Yep. Tell us a little bit about how the filters and pathogen detection sort of work together, and and also what makes your pathogen detection system unique and different compared to your peers out there? Sure. We'll start with the adjacency of the two businesses and then go <clears throat> to the uniqueness of the offering. So the adjacency of the business is, is really simple. When you have a problem in your hospital, you put filters on it to fix the problem, or you use chemistry, chlorine, and things like that to fix the problem. Some hospitals do it proactively. In fact, many of our customers do, but, but fundamentally a filter can't tell you anything. It can just fix the problem. Our hypothesis going into the water pathogen detection business was to say, can we get further up the food chain or the thought chain so that customers are looking to find out whether they have a problem we can answer that problem. We can answer that question rather. And if they do have a problem, we have filters on the truck outside, right? So that's why they're adjacent. And, in, and indeed we are finding that to be the case. 
What makes us unique is a few things. First of all, it's 100% PCR based. So that means that results happen in 30 to 60 minutes rather than three days to two weeks. Um, the old way, when I called it a Petri dish, another word is spread plate, is the old, the, the old standard, which is still the majority of the market, is you take a Petri dish with some agar in it and you put a water sample on it and you cover it up and you wait for it to grow. And that takes days or weeks. Whereas with PCR, you take a water sample, um, you put it in a little well, you put it in a computer called a PCR device, and you find out what's in that water with DNA analysis. Uh, and as I said, it's 30 to 60 minute process. What we do, I think as well as anyone in the country is A, develop assays or tests that accurately identify um, waterborne pathogens in those wells. And we have technology for what's called multiplexing them. What does that mean? It's just a fancy name for multiple tests in the same sample. So in the same little tiny uh, 25 microliters of water, I can test for both Legionella type one and Legionella uh, serotype one and Legionella all other. I could test in another well for E. coli and Bulcadaria or, or uh, I may have just said that wrong, but my point is the ability to test multiple things in the same well is a makes, makes testing much more efficient because you don't have to wait 30 to 60 minutes to do the next set of tests. Everything is, can or many tests can be done simultaneously. So we develop super accurate tests as fast as anybody else and we multiplex as well as anybody else. And we sell these little strips, which are disposable. And by the way, as another recurring revenue stream that are used in PCR machines to identify whether or not a water sample has any waterborne pathogens in it. Got it. And, and who, what, what's the market opportunity here and who's the target customer right yeah. now? There are several targets that we are testing to be, to be blunt, this is, as I said, an early business, a couple of hundred thousand dollars last year. Um, so we already know that there is a business in on-site hospital-based water testing services. Great. But we're really not a services company. We really want to be a product company. We are focused on products that are disposable and that need to be repurchased every year. That's what we as a, as a you know, as our business thesis are about. But there are lots of potential users of those tests. Centralized laboratories that do the testing aren't necessarily, don't necessarily want to or have the ability to develop the tests as well as we can. And so we're selling to centralized laboratories. Um, uh, state and city departments of health are doing lots of water testing, as you might imagine, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, academic institutions are. So we're, it's still young days and I'm naming markets that we are exploring. By the way, we acquired a company in July of last year, July of 2021, um, which is 
used to be a supplier of ours, and now we we bought their technology. Um, and we're, we now have capabilities, not just in waterborne pathogens, but we have flea and tick panels where you can literally find out if a flea or uh, I believe it's a flea has Zika virus, for example. Um, we have women's health panels. So we've got a, a pretty interesting set of microbiological assays to identify whether or not something is present in a sample of water or other samples as well, sample types as well. Very good. I have a thousand more questions, so uh, forgive me if I'm going. I have, I have time for <laughs> I have time for only nine hundred and fourteen. Oh, good. Okay. So now I want to get to um, HDF. You know the new kind of dialysis machine that the company was originally founded on. Um, you mentioned that uh, you've received FDA clearance for H the HDF offering. However, you're in the process of this a new version of the machine in, that's in the process of uh, FDA clearance. Can you tell us about what makes this new version of the machine unique and different compared to what HDF originally was, and then some of the opportunity there going forward? Sure. Let, let me first explain what the machine is. Um, it is a bolt-on that we call it an, uh, an assist machine, where a dialysis machine is basically it's taking blood out of a patient, cleaning it with extremely clean water, and then putting the resulting clean, cleaned blood back into the patient. We come in in the middle of that uh, process called mid-dilution assist device, and we we add additional um, dialysate or super clean water to the equation, which makes the blood molecularly more clean. It, it moves a different, it, it moves larger molecules across the, the membrane uh, using, using the pressure gradient. And so long story short, it is a, it is a machine that augments existing dialysis machines. And our original machine worked beautifully. This, is, this was cleared by the FDA 10 years ago in 2012, but it was extremely cumbersome to use. It had to go through a sanitation cycle that cleaned the filter for, uh, for 45 minutes in between patients. It was just frankly impractical. It wasn't a, it was well-engineered, but it wasn't well, it wasn't a good product market fit. What we've done is taken out literally over 90% of the insides of that machine. And we have a disposable unit, which you've got a small disposable filter and a small disposable food, um, um, sorry, tube set. And you place, you, you put a new tube set on the machine each time that you have a, a patient. And it's a couple of minutes in between patients, which is a whole lot more pragmatic for dialysis clinics, which have to run patients through on a relatively low margin business. Um, and yet with what with our offering, they'll be able to do so um, and with a, with a better quality of dialysis. So that's a quick introduction to HDF and, and, and how it works. What is, what is interesting relative to the other businesses that I described earlier is that it too is a recurring revenue business. You buy the machine, frankly, the, the machine won't cost very much. What we will make our money on is the 
continuous purchase of the disposable units. Got it. And and like I, said, I think you said, the rollout mid approximately mid year twenty this year. Well, in we are just to be clear, so that I'm uh, you know today this this meeting is taking place at the beginning of March. Um, we are expecting to resubmit our uh, application. The FDA responded to our application with a set of a dozen questions or so. We expect to resubmit with answers to all of those questions um, around the end of March, uh, around the end of this month. And then it usually takes three months, some, you know, and it can take more for the FDA to get back to us. So I don't, uh, I don't want to set a specific date, but we believe we are quite close to approval and, um, uh, are moving forward on that with uh, with plans to launch in the second half of the year sometime. Very good. All right. Well, we I think we pretty clearly went through all the different segments of the business, the market opportunity, the current market penetration, competitive analysis. Despite all that, let's say there's some folks out there that have maybe done the similar work that we just did right now or seen a presentation, heard a conference call. What do investors still get confused about when they think of Nefros? Well, for one thing, right now, they wonder why the stock price has been cut in, in half over the last year. Um, do, you have, do you have an opinion or would you rather just leave, let the no, market? No, I, I, I do have an opinion. Oh, um, let's hear it. Um, I think there's, there's two sides to it. One, of course, it's a tough market for the microcap world and everybody knows that and so be it. Um, and it's, it's a very volatile market, not just in the microcap world, of course, with everything else that's going on in the world and the pandemic has been tough and so on. So there's a lot of macro reasons. But there's another reason um, that the market has um, uh, dropped the value of the stock. And that is the thing I said at the very beginning of this. <clears throat> Nefros has been around for 25 years and it's been public for about 20 of them. And I don't blame them, but people are getting a little tired with the promise of Nefros. Nefros has been trying to show a success story for 25 years. And so to those people, what I try to what I what I try to remind them of is this is a new company in 2015, 2016. We really relaunched the company. Pre-pandemic, we grew it for four consecutive years at a rate of 60% year on year, every quarter on average, obviously. <clears throat> and then the pandemic hit, which did take us down. We couldn't get into hospitals and so forth. We went down about 17% in 2020. In 2021, we rebounded right back to where we were in 2019. We are very focused on building our sales and marketing capability. We've got uh, a, a a significant number of new people as well as new processes and websites and so forth that are in process. And we expect to return to high growth rates. And so that story, I think, gives context to what might otherwise be the fatigue and it's understandable fatigue of people who have invested. Um, you know, I invest in Nefros all the time. I wouldn't do so because I want to protect my, you know, my my job. I'm doing so because I think it's a good investment. So um, that's the story of that's one thing that people are confused about and how I might answer their question. Got it. All right. 
So I'm going to ask you a few, uh, we're going to get to the corporate aspect of the interview. Uh, you know, I mean, you've had your CEO hat on all the time, but now we're going to, your corporate public company CEO hat now. Um, right. So, well, actually, before I get to that, here's another question I have. You know, what 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 is the thesis if realized these are the inflection points that will lead to growth in shareholder value? We are at about a thousand hospitals right now. The... The, the, um, that number, which was going down a little bit, has gone back up and stabilized. Um, what will, at the end of the day, what drives growth in our main business, in our hospital infection control business, what drives growth is new customer sites. You, you get a new customer site, maybe it's two, $4,000 in terms of the sale but the follow-on sales are $10,000 and $15,000, and they happen constantly every year. And so that's what drives that growth. The success of the portable dialysis market, if you believe in the dialysis market, you might believe in Nephros because we're deeply ingrained in some of the leaders in the portable dialysis market. Um, in... Um, uh, when similarly to the way we just launched our first QSR quick service restaurant in the commercial side, and I think we'll get more of those, you can think about centralized laboratories turning, bringing us their pathogen detection testing. Um, uh, those will be high leverage events that will drive growth. Um, I think that bringing on our chief commercial officer just about a year ago, who is now fully up to speed and has a, a, a great sales and marketing organization underneath him. Um, I think that is a, uh, an important milestone in our background that will lead to growth. So there's, those are the, just some of the things that, that I focus on every day. At the it, end of the day, it's the people. Of course, absolutely. And look, to play devil's advocate, you know, I'm, so, I'm sure some folks might be asking, you know, what, what is that downside risk when, when, when investors are thinking about nephros? Well, the downside risk of any business is that, of any microcap, of any small business, is that it doesn't do what it says it's going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean to be glib about that, but... Glib away, it, it's fine. <laughs> but that's all, that's, that's what it is. We will either grow as we are projecting, we will or we won't, but... I, for one, I think we have a lot more to talk about right now in terms of our upside than we did a year and a half ago when we were all wondering, you know, what was going to happen with the, with the pandemic. I mean, we dropped 30. We went from growing, I think it was 30 or 40 percent in Q1 of 2020 to dropping 30 percent in Q2 of, 20, of 2020. Um, it was a, you know, it was a bloodbath and um, that's that, but that's just not what's happening anymore. I mean, coming out of COVID-19, especially with the, you know, the healthcare filters that you have, you would, you would expect that maybe there was actually even more of a demand for at the, at a minimum, just competition to get better filters, because now it's more important than ever to protect those immunocompromised when you have, you know, COVID-19 is still a risk. There's maybe other airborne stuff out there. I mean, yeah. was, was that, was that a, a catalyst that you maybe didn't even see coming in the, in the midst of the craziness of 2020? 
Um, actually, we, we did see it coming. We actually wrote that in our, in our 10 Qs and 10 Ks in the early days of the pandemic. But I think that takes time to happen. Um, I do see tailwinds coming out of the pandemic for us, primarily two that come to mind. One is what I talked about earlier is the evolution from spread plate technology to PCR technology and the pathogen detection. Everybody knows what PCR testing is today. No one knew what PCR testing was two years ago. So that's a tailwind that comes out of the COVID environment. Another and perhaps more significant, frankly, much more significant tailwind that's coming out is the increased um, severity, if you will, or the, 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 the tightened regulations coming out of CMS for water management plans that I mentioned earlier. Water management plans were first required by CMS in June of 2017 and 2017 through 2019, as hospitals adopted the needs for these water management plans were great years for us. Those regulations were re-tightened, were further tightened on January 1 of this year, just a couple of months ago. And so we do expect that rising tide to continue to help float our and other uh, boats in this market of, um, of water quality improvement. Got it. All right, now I'm gonna get to those, you know, corporate okay. company CEO hat questions. Yep. Um, can you discuss the capital allocation strategy right now? You mentioned you mentioned that the company did a, a, an acquisition. I think it was last year, or well, at the very least, it was very recently. You know, so how are you deploying capital? Is it going more towards execution and marketing, reinvesting in the business, or are you looking at at, at some strategic M and A for both? Uh, fair question. We've done two acquisitions in the last um, three years. Um, they were both extremely small. One was the Aether filter business, which is the commercial business that we, we I should say is the, the manufacturer of the commercial business that I described earlier. Um, and Aether uh, and its leader have been going out and, and in fact nailed the, uh, the, the, the big account that I was talking about earlier on the QSR, but also are cross-selling into hospitals um, and hotels and, and so forth. Um, so that was one acquisition. The other one was Generation, which is the, the former supplier of the pathogen detection group. But we're very, very picky. They have, uh, if we are, if we do uh, an acquisition, it's because it's immediately adjacent to our business. And frankly, it's small and inexpensive. We're not a company that has a ton of cash. Um, in fact, with the generation ac acquisition, it was an all cash acquisition. I'm sorry, all stock acquisition is what I meant to say. But um, we're not a big M&A company right now. We, we're, we're, we're opportunistic is what I would say. Mostly we use our capital to develop, to, to invest in our own operations. And some of the steps that I talked about earlier with the investment in sales and marketing are evidence of that. How much, if at all, have your shareholders influenced your decision-making process? Oh, what a great question. Well, we have a relatively small shareholder base. 
you know, it's a company with a couple of thousand shareholders. And I know personally most of the significant shareholders. Um, so I'm very influenced by them. I speak to at least one of them almost every day. Um, so we're, 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 we're influenced by them. But I would also say that <clears throat> it's great to have a shareholder perspective, but a business operation is not, how do I maximize the market price? I mean, of course, at the end of the day, share price is, is the reflector of success. But day after day after day, you don't go chasing your share price. You go out and chase customers. You go out and chase market uh, product quality. You go out and you chase great service. You go out and you chase, uh, you chase putting together a great people platform that attracts the best people and keeps them in the company and develops them and helps them get better so that, so that you can execute better. That drives share price indirectly. And so our shareholders are all fundamental investors. They believe in what I just said, or I, I, I think most of our investors um, feel that way. And so they influence and they ask questions and they make me think and they make others think, although I'm the primary contact with them. Um, but then we get back to work and we drive a great company. That's, our, that's really what my job is all about. You need to frame that one line that you just said somewhere. I don't chase share price. I chase customers. Yeah. That is just, that, that's a, oh, that's a, that's a thing of beauty. That's going up with that. That's going up in the Sistine Chapel. Great phrase from Microcap CEOs. Well, I, I thank that. you. You're very kind. <laughs> I, I love that. All right, man. To close us out here today, my, my final oh. question for you, you've, you've answered a lot. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time here. To close this out, do you enjoy being a public company CEO? It's not an easy job. It can suck at times. It can be an absolute drag. But then there's also some fun stuff too. But I'd love to hear your thoughts there. Well, you, you, in a way, your question answered the question the way I would say it. Um, it I love this job. I adore this job. Um, I've never been an executive of a public company. I've been executives of private companies before, but to have the public exposure um, is very, very different than having private exposure. And I love that there's a market out there that measures the perceived value of the company. I love that shareholders can call me anytime and email me anytime. And there's 2000 of them rather than two of them, which is more the case in the venture capital world. Um, uh, I love getting the, the feedback and it's crazy hard. It is, you, you know, the, the development of the 10 Qs and the 10 Ks is a lot of work. The audits that are involved are a lot of work. And by the way, they cost a ton of money to, it costs a lot of money to be public. Um, so not every day is, is a perfect day, but I really love getting up every day and going to work and, and doing this job. And, you know, what are my rewards besides financial? Um, cause the financials certainly haven't come yet for, for, uh, for Nefros, but my rewards are 
people being proud of the work they do. My rewards are customers uh, coming in to our fold and, um, and adopting our technology. My rewards are being wowed when it's 2.30 in the morning on a, on a Sunday and my warehouse guy has gone in to um, fulfill a customer order because it's an emergency. Those give me a lot of pleasure. That's a fantastic way to end it. With that, Andy, where can our audience go and find more information to follow the Nephros story? www.nephros.com. Um, the website there is old. In about a month, 30, 45 days, something like that, the website will be significantly updated. So um, keep an eye out for that. Um, and you can also contact us through info at nephros.com or me directly at andy.astor, A-S-T-O-R, at nephros.com. Andy, thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Good luck, stay safe, and I look forward to our next update. I look forward to it too. Bobby, thank you very much. Bye-bye. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not provided as financial, legal, or any other advice. The information is not investment advice or an offer to buy or sell any securities or make any investment. The views expressed by guest speakers are their own and any reference to third-party products, services, or information does not constitute an endorsement thereof by SNN or its affiliates. SNN expressly disclaims all liability for any individual's use of the information presented in this podcast.